are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to this Friday, March 26, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. We're going to talk about a pro day today on the show, a very significant pro day for Dolphins fans interested in upgrading the defensive side of the football early on in the 2021 NFL Draft. I am talking about my alma mater, Penn State. Why are we discussing the Penn State Pro Day on Locked On Dolphins for uh, presumably an entire show, knowing how I like to get on the soapbox from time to time here on the show? And it's because there's two players that were in attendance at Penn State's Pro Day that will have significant domino effects on the Miami Dolphins and specifically their pick at 18. Talking about Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons and Penn State defensive end Jason Owe. Both of these two players had whatever the more extreme adjective is for phenomenal is what both of these guys posted yesterday in Happy Valley. The athletic testing numbers are in, and they are off the charts good. So much so that Jason Owe is going to create a very interesting conversation for his evaluation, and I wanted to spend some time discussing that as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins, because I got a ton of questions yesterday on social media. Hey, Jason Owe's all over social media uh, with his pro day. Is he a fit for the Dolphins? Could he be a player that they take at 18? Can he help Miami? I want to answer those questions today based on what I've seen on tape. Throughout the course of the 2020 summer, fall, winter, 2021 winter and spring, my work at the Draft Network, uh, we have a group of four guys who are full-time scouts for TDN. We've divided the country and divided the NFL. One of my pro teams is the Dolphins, obviously. And the Big Ten was my conference to specialize in. I'm from Big Ten country. I went to Penn State. I know the teams well. So I've watched a lot of the Penn State defense with both Micah Parsons and Jason Owe in it for TDN. And then once we flipped the calendar over to 2021, we started doing cross-checks, which was my opportunity to start watching players from all across the country. And Jason Owe is one of the more difficult player evaluations that I can remember in recent history. He plays a premium position as a pass rusher. He is prototypical with his size at six foot five, 256 pounds, with 34 and a half inch arms. So he has stereotypical size and length for the position. Now you take all that, and remember, 6'5, 257. And you add on top of it, he ran a four. 3-9 in the 40-yard dash with a 1-5-9 10-yard split. Let the record state the 1-5-9 10-yard split is perhaps more terrifying 
than the 439 40-yard dash. He jumped 39.5 in the vert. You can't fake that number, even if you're selling the 40 time. He jumped 11-2 in the broad, which would have tied, I believe, the combine record for a defensive end. He ran the three-cone in 6.83 seconds. If you run it under seven seconds, it's a good time. Phenomenal testing. But then you turn on the tape, and you watch Jason play. And he's all traits. He's all tools. He has every physical tool that you would need. He has a frame in which you could continue to add mass. I could realistically see him adding 15 to 20 pounds of mass onto his frame and maintaining the vast majority of his explosiveness. And even if he loses two-tenths of a second, oh, well, he's still going to be above average with his first step. Two-tenths of a second? (laughs) That's how fast he ran. But Jason, for the Dolphins specifically, uh, is a hard sell in my eyes because Jason and his agent, I believe it was, pointed this out on social media yesterday. He only started playing football in 2016, and it shows he's very, very, very green. And for the Dolphins, a team who has multiple first-round picks and is anticipating competing for the playoffs in 2021, how do you invest in Jason knowing that he's probably two years away from being a player who's going to take snaps at a high frequency? You could draft him as a designated pass rusher off the edge, but are you really going to draft a designated pass rusher for his first two seasons with a top 20 pick? The year after you drafted Noah Igbenogany as more of a developmental player who had only played the defensive side of the ball for two years? I could see the Dolphins' thought process in getting there. That's, that's the part that has me most compelled to do today's show. Because the Dolphins think about it. They've invested the vast majority of their top 100 picks in the Greer-Flores era into premium positions. Offensive linemen, quarterback cornerback, defensive back. This is a team that has not shied away from developmental players early in the draft. Austin Jackson at 18 last year. Noah Igbenogany at 30. Neither one of these guys was ideally ready to play. Austin Jackson played out of necessity. You watch the tape and you can tell the ups and downs, the peaks and the valleys. He had to learn on the job. And then you add in on top of that, edge rusher is arguably the largest remaining position of need for the Dolphins defensively and arguably the second most pressing issue for the Dolphins' entire team as things currently stand in the offseason. So you got a position of need, super high traits. He's all the uncoachables for a team that is willing and comfortable to take developmental players. And he plays a premium position. Tell me you put those boxes together and you could not see the Dolphins coming to the decision to draft Jason Owe from Penn State, all six foot five, 260 pounds of him, running 4'4 flat, sub 4'4, with a top 20 pick. His body type fits the style that the Dolphins have long arms, explosiveness, linear explosiveness. 
And if you could teach Jason some consistency with rushing the passer, he's going to be a very good pro. But he's so far off in getting there. He did not log a single sack in 2020. And I understand that just raw sack numbers are a very poor indication of a player's success rate as a pass rusher because out of all the plays, and I believe it was Brian Flores talked about this, uh, it was either Brian Flores or Josh Boyer during the season asked about sack sack production or uh, you know it, it's one percent of your plays. If you have twenty sacks and you play a thousand snaps and you rush the passer five hundred times, congrats you you got home on four percent of your pass rushes. It's such a small sample size, so so pressure rate is a better indicator. Uh, but Jason, as a pass rusher, doesn't really approach a lot of reps with a plan. He doesn't understand uh, how tackles are going to vary their sets with him. And what I mean by that is, is a tackle going to short set you in which he gets out of his stance quick and he sets up and he doesn't give a lot of ground, forces you to beat him early? Is he going to 45-degree set you if you're more wide alignment so he's going to get depth and get a little bit of width? And 45 degrees from where his stance is to force you to wide, he's going to widen that edge and force you to take a really steep turn around the outside around him to get back to the quarterback? Is it going to take a vertical set and dare you to beat him with speed or dare you to beat him back inside across his face? And his counters in these situations, the accuracy, the precision with hands striking and anatomical weak points, and what I mean by that is the weakest parts of a punch from an offensive lineman are the wrists and the elbows, the joints. You got to attack the joints. If if you attack the forearm, it's really hard to facilitate bend. But if you get firmly on a joint and you look to lift or push or swat, what you're able to do if you're hitting that on the joint is you're maximizing the lever, anatomically speaking. I'm getting into my degree in exercise science here a little bit. You're maximizing the length of the lever that you're applying force to. And the longer that lever is, the more challenging it is going to be for that player to maintain their position and not have you manipulate them and break their punch. Jason doesn't do a lot of that yet. So if you're a team like Miami who desperately needs pass rush early, drafting a pass rusher who doesn't know how to rush the passer is a pretty tough sell. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfer, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We have been pounding the table for our friends at Built Bar for quite some time here on the Locked On Network, and now is the most wonderful time of the year. It is Built Bar Madness. Built Bar is an amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. 
and they are holding a tournament to determine which flavor is the king or queen of the Built Bar Kingdom. You can go to BuiltBar.com or Bar underscore Built on Twitter to follow along with the bracket and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who has won the matchups in the race to become the best-tasting flavor of the world's best-tasting protein bar. So after the the testing numbers came in, uh, our group at at TDN, Dre Harris, Jordan Reed, Joe Marino, myself, uh, we're sitting around and we're doing cross-checks on on a number of players yesterday uh, to get everybody's final grades on these players so we're prepared for the draft. And uh, the, the OA numbers come through, and we ask ourselves, okay, like, what's the range? Where What's the range, expected range for a player of his size, his stature, and his explosiveness at the pass rusher position in a group of pass rushers that is a little underwhelming, if you want to call it that? Miami's firmly in the strike zone. OA, we could see going as high as 11 to the New York Giants. I would put his floor probably 30 to Buffalo, maybe 27 to Baltimore. But in that stretch, from 11 to 27, let's call it, it's half the first round. We've got the New York Giants at 11. You have the L.A. Chargers, who lost Melvin Ingram in free agency at 13. You have the Minnesota Vikings at 14. You have the New England Patriots. I don't think they'll go that route. You have the Las Vegas Raiders, who have consistently been suckered by prototypical size and athleticism. You have the Miami Dolphins at 18. You have the Indianapolis Colts. A little bit of a long shot relative to the other teams in the market here. The New York Jets desperately need pass rush. They signed Carl Lawson. Who else they have besides that is your guess, is as good as mine. The Pittsburgh Steelers, having lost Bud Dupree at 24. The Cleveland Browns at 26. The Baltimore Ravens at 27. With these numbers and his traits, he's going. Would I be upset if he was the pick for the Dolphins at 18? Part of it depends on what other edge rushers would be on the board. This is not a doomsday scenario for me for the Dolphins, for if they were to draft Jason Oway. Uh, would I be super excited about it? For the long-term forecast, I can really get excited about what Jason Oway can become and thinking about him working in a blitz, pressure-heavy defense with multiple front. He's certainly an athletic upgrade over Shaq Lawson like you would not believe. Would I be apprehensive about the year one forecast and his ability to help the Dolphins in a year in which they're hoping to compete as a top 20 player? Yes. So this is not you know, burn your jerseys kind of scenario, but it is one that I would have a lot of apprehension to if it materialized for the Dolphins. If Quiddy Pay still on the board, I'd probably rather have Quiddy Pay. More pro-ready, higher floor. Plenty high of a ceiling athletically. You thought that 6'8", 3, that Jason Oway ran at 257 is impressive? Wait until you see what Quiddy Pay runs in his three-cone. 
if Jalen Phillips is still there. I understand why they may be apprehensive about Jalen Phillips, but Jalen Phillips' tape is exponentially better than Jason Owe's tape, in my opinion. Maybe not the traits, but the actual trait or, or application of skill in pass rushing. Jalen Phillips is a better player. Let's talk about this other Penn State defender for the Dolphins. Micah Parsons. We could probably put this one in the ground now. Um, I'm trying to get my head around what the Dolphins' investment at linebacker could look like with the Kyle Van Noy role. You know, are you going to go with a true rush linebacker hybrid type, or are you going to look for another stack off the ball? They definitely need another coverage linebacker option. The question is, are they going to choose to utilize Brandon Jones as a coverage linebacker in nickel and use big nickel formations with three safeties on the field instead of asking another base linebacker to be able to play in coverage? I don't have that answer. I would anticipate they'll give a long, hard look at Brandon Jones for that kind of role before the draft rolls around. But if they do use Brandon Jones in that type of role, then where can you still find value at linebacker, and would Micah Parsons fit the piece of the puzzle? Because you obviously are bringing back Elan and Roberts. You have Jerome Baker. You traded for Bernardrick McKinney. Moves that I like. I like the linebacker room versus what they had last year. I said this yesterday on the Alex Dono show on Onside Radio. The Dolphins' interior triangle or square or whatever you want to call it, the defensive interior against run against the, in between the tackles should be significantly better than what it was last year. Because your best player now in that role, Elena Roberts, is now your backup. Phenomenal. That's outstanding. And Bernardrick McKinney has more value in coverage, and he has more value as a pressure player than Elena Roberts had as well. Phenomenal. You've gone out and you've addressed a significant need for the defense, and you've got some really tough dudes in the middle to play in front of them. Would I have loved for Lawrence Guy to be another addition to to your defensive line rotation to really ensure your linebackers stay clean? Yeah. Does it stink that he went back to New England? Yeah. But it is what it is. But as far as their hybrid linebackers, Kyle Van Noy, primary played on the edge, but he was a hybrid linebacker. Right now, Andrew Van Ginkle, presumably stepping into that role. Vince Beagle, presumably stepping into the backup role. Where could Micah Parsons play in this defense? I wouldn't play him at Mike, but I don't think you need to play him at Mike. Micah Parsons, with his experience on the line of scrimmage, his explosiveness, he was equally as explosive as Jason Oway. So Micah Parsons checked in at the pro day for Penn State. He opted out of 2020, mind you. He opted out, and he checked in at 6'3", 246, 31-and-a-half-inch arms, so not great length, but he ran 439. He had a 34-inch vertical, a 10-6 broad jump, a sub-7-second three-cone at 9, or 6-9-4, and a short shuttle of 4-4-0. The long speed is outstanding. 
the jumps are adequate, especially when you consider as an off-ball linebacker or hybrid linebacker. He came in at 246. You wish he had a little bit more length, but if he's playing linebacker and not defensive end off the edge, then you're totally fine with that, especially with his closing burst. His tackle radius will be fine because he's so explosive. He'll close that gap down. I'm thinking Sam linebacker. What's the difference? You got your inside linebackers. You got your Sam, Mike, Will, stereotypical four-man front lingo. And that's not to say that's what the Dolphins call these linebacker positions. They could very well call them something unique. But traditionally, your Will linebackers are your Jerome Bakers of the world. Guy who doesn't really take on traffic all that well. He's super rangy. He's got great burst and speed. He's comfortable playing in space a little bit. Your inside linebacker, thumper, downhill, ideally has sideline-to-sideline range, can stack blocks because more often than not with his alignment, he's going to have offensive interior offensive linemen comboing up, climbing into his lap. He's going to have to be able to punch, extend his arms, keep his chest free, read the block, beat the block, make the tackle, or simultaneously have anticipation to shoot gaps and get into the backfield and create negative plays. The front side linebacker, the, the quote-unquote Sam, which is where I would play Parsons in this defense. It's kind of a hybrid linebacker, rush linebacker role because he's going to spend a little bit of time on the line of scrimmage. He's going to play to the offensive strength, so whatever side the tight end's on. And sometimes he'll be up on the line of scrimmage if they go with an under front, which means they shift the defensive line away from the strength, and you bring the outside linebacker up, you walk him up on top of the, the tight end at the line of scrimmage. And he get in the jam that tight end and turn and run with him. He can pressure off the edge. He can drop off in shallow zone underneath. Micah Parsons, his best impact as a player is either when he's playing forward in attack mode or when he is given a little bit of a platform to be able to process things and then uses his reactive quickness to attack stuff that's happening in front of his face. Again, you wish he had a little bit more length so he could stack and and really have effective separation skills on the line of scrimmage, but he's so explosive and so powerful that he should be able to filter through and really blow up tight ends and make sure he defeats that block if it's a block And he really disrupts the timing of that route going into the middle of the field if it's a tight end that's trying to release around him. And because he's walked up on the line of scrimmage, you can use him as a blitzer and not ask him to come from the B level of the defense. He's going to be closer to the ball. That's how I envision Micah Parsons fitting into what the Dolphins currently have if they were going to go that direction. I think it's pretty unlikely at this point. But if they chose to go, we're talking about a 245-pound linebacker that ran sub 4-4. We got to talk about it, right? He was one of the more popular picks for the Dolphins in a lot of mock drafts early in the season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, television shows, and reality TV with real updated odds in real time and props on just about everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts, promo code 
Locked on. Parting thoughts today. Getting away from the Penn State Pro Day. Some other Pro Days yesterday that were of significance to the Miami Dolphins. Of course, Chris Greer has been busy this week. Reports had him in Tuscaloosa and Columbia in consecutive days for the Alabama and South Carolina Pro Days. Uh, Of course, Alabama, uh, a cool two dozen prospects, (laughs) approximately, available. I bet the Dolphins draft at least one of them, if not three. South Carolina was more J.C. Horn, star of the show, made an athletic testing case to potentially be CB1. I think that's out of the Dolphins' realm of possibilities. Uh, I would certainly hope so with the investments they've already made in corner, how much money they have tied up in the secondary, the needs that they have elsewhere. You want them, you're going to have to pay pay handsomely to get them in the draft. But they also had Shai Smith, Ernest Jones, a linebacker. And Shai Smith is interesting because he's kind of the the discounted rate of a number of other receiving prospects that had pro days yesterday that should be of interest to the Dolphins. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is one. Ran a cool 4-3-5 in the 40-yard dash. Fastest time of the day that I had seen. Dwayne Eskridge. Wide receiver from Western Michigan. Dolphins had their hands on him at the Senior Bowl. He also ran 4.39. So a couple of speedsters for Miami had pro days yesterday that I think are very realistic day two options. Elijah Moore, you're probably going to have to spend a top 50 pick. You'd probably have to get him at 36, if he's even there at 36. He may mess around and get up in the late first round. Dwayne Eskridge, maybe he's there at 81. So these are kind of the games you got to start playing. So if you want a guy, you're going to probably have to overdraft him a little bit instead of getting lucky. So you'd anticipate you'd probably have to spend 50 to get him to guarantee that you got him. This is an exercise I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to take specific prospects, and I'm going to put them in buckets. Three. 18, 36, 50, 81. We're going to say, okay, guys, pick the best combo for the Dolphins. Go ahead. And uh, whatever you end up getting is going to be your ideal draft class for the Dolphins. And we're going to go through a lot of the players together, make sure we understand how they would fit in what Miami we perceive them to be doing. Never want to speak in finalities and, and hard and fast. In fact, on things that we're anticipating based on the trends of the team, in team history, in coach history, and player history. But I'll leave you with a nugget. These mock drafts that have running back Javante Williams going 36 to Miami because you've passed on Najee and Travis at 18, it might be time to start throwing these out the window, guys. Speaking completely candidly, uh, one of the perks of working in the draft industry is you have some opportunities to, to really get to know uh, people in the know with you know, around the league, league sources, uh, with specific teams. I'm not going to give you guys any details other than there is a team that I'm aware of that really, really, really likes Javante Williams, and they'll get a crack at him in the first round if they want. Whether or not that's ultimately the route they choose to go, 
um, remains to be seen. But I was just told, hey, Javante Williams, expect him to get his his name called on night one. And I believe, and I don't know if, if Chris has any connections that has him to believe this or not, I believe I saw Chris Kaufman of three yards per carry indicate something similar um, not too long ago on social, that Javante would definitely be gone by the end of the first day. So these Javante Williams 36, you know, the, the TDN simulator is going to have to make an adjustment, move Javante up. I'll see what I can do. Uh, but the scenarios that have Javante Williams at 36, based on some conversations I've had this past week, are looking a little bleak, which puts the Dolphins in, a, in between a rock and a hard place with what to do at running back. Unless you're comfortable drafting Najee at 18 and calling it a day. I'm calling it a day here on Locked On Dolphins. Another great week, guys. Thanks for listening so much. I enjoy every single one of you who interacts, engages, listens to the show, gives me feedback. I love that we are on this journey together. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Dolphins do over the course of the next month. And I hope you'll stay along for the ride. Hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'll talk with you guys on Monday.